The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. Don't you love knowing people when? When they were as talented, gifted, and magnificent as they are now, but not a little people knew it then. And later, being there when those talents and gifts and magnificence get the credit they deserve. That's what this episode is about for me. The chance to talk with someone I've adored for several years now, and her creativity and her writing and the way she sees things have led to something really, really big. So stay tuned for movie stars and teenage cannibals and animal rights and the writer's life. I think we're going to love this. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, and welcome to the podcast where I do share meetings with remarkable women. Somebody was telling me the other day about all kinds of great people that she knows and could connect me with, and that'll be wonderful five or six or 10 years from now. But right now, there are just so many remarkable women in my world that I am thrilled to death to share every single one of them with you. Maybe a reminder of some of the remarkable women and remarkable other gendered people who are in your world. And today we are going to be speaking with somebody really special. She is Camille DeAngelis, the author of several novels full of impossible things, a travel guide to Ireland, a book of nonfiction called Life Without Envy, Ego Management for Creative People, and another book on creativity called A Bright, Clean Mind, Veganism for Creative Transformation. And that's actually how I got to know Camille. She attended Main Street Vegan Academy in 2013. Her young adult novel, Bones and All, won an Alex Award from the American Library Association in 2016. And in 2022, coming right up, the feature film 
bones and all will be debuting in the US and I believe around the world just in time for us over here anyway for Thanksgiving. Welcome, Camille DeAngelis. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Victoria. It's always such a pleasure to be with you. Well, that goes both ways. And I am just so, so proud of you. I've said to a lot of people that I don't have grandchildren, but I have Main Street Vegan Academy Mm. graduates, Mm -hmm. and I get to brag about them and share about them. And it is just so wonderful. And you are a writer's writer. So before we get into the movie and all the hoopla and what's going on now, just introduce us to Camille DeAngelis, the writer. Oh my gosh. Well, where do I begin? <laughs> so yeah, that I, I, you know, talking about writing impossible things, that's kind of all I'm interested in writing about fiction wise, because uh, I've always said I get enough real life in real life. So at the moment, I am working on a time travel screwball comedy in which um, most of my characters are vegan, which has been so much fun, um, inventing a lot of uh, recipes for my for my vegan matriarch to cook, which has been so fun. And also, um, as is my want, uh, get, getting inspiration from vintage cookbooks, of course. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on at the moment. And I've got the, you know, the movie stuff is kind of, you know, happening very, um, excitedly in the background. Um, I mean, it's not in the background, you know, as far as most people can see, because my friend uh, texted me the other day and said she saw an ad for the movie on a bus in LA and uh, she said, I tried to, I wasn't going to take a picture. I wanted to take a picture of it. Couldn't take a picture of it because I was driving. I said, thank you for driving safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, uh, there's, there's been so much more, so much more um, excitement than I had anticipated, you know, all the way back. I mean, Victoria, you and I go back to, well, you didn't know it, I don't think, but we, we as far as I'm concerned, we go back to, Veg Fest, New York City Veg Fest 2011, when I heard you speak and you changed my life because you were only just starting Main Street Vegan Academy. And as you were speaking about it, I thought I have to do that program. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And so I know I'm getting a little off topic here, um, but my, my point was that uh, this film has been in the works since 2015. So, uh, and you had me on your show uh, back when it came out and uh, it's just, it's so much, so satisfying to see, you know, all of the wonderful things that have, have happened in the meantime. Well, wonders things happen every day. I think the more we look for the wonders, we more, the, the, we see the wonders Absolutely. and you have a lot of terrific novels that, that are just incredible reads. One of your novels that I really, really enjoyed is The Boy from Tomorrow. Now, you're supposedly a young adult author. I am not a young adult, but I just love reading everything that you write. And so maybe that one could have been your big first feature film, but instead it's Bones and All, which is also a great read. 
And yet somebody read it who thought that it needed to be on the big screen. So tell us about that process and just about the feelings from 2015 to now, there must've been plenty of them. Yes, yes. So let's see, the book came out in March, 2015. And it was a few months after that, it was like June, I think, my agent got a call from actually another literary agent who was also a film producer. Her name is Teresa Park. Um, I like to call her my fairy godmother because without her, this movie would not have happened. She's the acquiring producer. So uh, yeah, she bought the film option. And you know, from you know, anyone who wants to see Behind the Curtain or who is a, an aspiring author themselves, you probably have heard, and this is, this is usually the case, that when you get this film option, it's best to look at it as free money. <laughs> um, don't get, don't pin your hopes on this movie ever actually getting made, right? That's, that's what is realistic. And so that was my, uh, that was my attitude um, for the first several years. Um, every 18 months, there was an option renewal. Um, so it was a little bit of extra income for, you know, a writer who was cobbling together, you know, a whole bunch of odd jobs. And so that was the way things were until, let's see, um, early 2021, when I was, this is so funny, I will never forget this moment, because it was, um, it felt, it was such a, such an ordinary moment to have had this enormous news dropping into my lap or, you know, into onto my phone, as it were. So I was in the, the checkout line at Whole Foods with my then little less than two years old niece, um, was in her stroller. Um, I had my Miyoko's cheese and some, you know, herb crackers, which she was clamoring for. And I get this text from my agent saying that, you know, all of these names attached to this film project and it's going ahead. And it's funny because there has, there has since been uh, a deadline interview that was, deadline.com article that was published an interview with the director, Luca Guadagnino, and that filled in a bunch of the, the time, like the late 2020 timeline for me, because I had no idea, because they're not going to tell you you know, what might happen or we're working on it. That's, you know, that they, they don't want to, um, you know, come back to you with updates that aren't, that don't really feel like, you know, substantive updates. So I had no idea until that day in late January, 2021. And even after I got back on the phone with Teresa, you know, after period, you know, periodic phone calls over the years and, um, oh, and I should say that um, Dave Kajanik, the screenwriter, was on board um, the year, from the year after um, Teresa purchased the option. And he and I have had a wonderful working relationship, which is, has mostly consisted of my, you know, just giving him a little bit of, of input and basically telling him that I thought that the vegan subtext was way too subtle, which it is. And that's the only thing that I was looking for in the film adaptation. And he being such a sensitive, wonderful writer, full of integrity, um, very sincere, one of the most sincere people I've ever met, which, you know, (laughs) we're talking about Hollywood people here. I mean, this is just, it has been uh, such a wonderful, wonderful experience for me from start to finish. 
Um, but anyway, uh, so, so as far as I knew, David finished a draft of the script, but that was all I knew. And so it was nice to, to, to read that deadline article, which I think was published in August, that, that kind of filled in all of that second half of 2020 timeline so that I can see how we got from um, actually losing the original director to having the whole cast assembled basically and ready to go. Oh, but what I was gonna say is that Teresa um, said, she, I'll never forget, she, she said soon after the news broke, this still could all go up in a puff of smoke. <laughs> um, which again, I think this is just, this is the way films get made. Um, sometimes they don't get made. Oh my goodness. I love it how you said it was such a great experience because I think for a lot of people, it would just be so nerve wracking. But one of the reasons I'm guessing, knowing you, Camille, and why you had your wits about you. Well, one of those things is you have a spiritual life. You're a yogi of uh, real standing. And you're also a real writer. And so am I right that had this not happened, you would have just said, okay, I keep writing. Yes, absolutely. And um, you mentioned my book, uh, Life Without Envy, Ego Management for Creative People. I put a whole lot of inner work into that book. I mean, those, that book was the result of, all, of years of inner work um, because I started out, wasn't going to tell you this in the intro, um, introducing myself as a writer, but, you know, uh, it was a lot of ups and downs and I'm sure there will still be, you know, ups and downs in my future. Um, that's just, that's just the life that I chose and it's inevitable. But uh, my first couple novels, like I lost my, I lost my publisher, uh, second novel went out of print. And at this point I'm in my early thirties and uh, actually probably not coincidentally had fallen away from my yoga practice, uh, practiced in my early twenties and I fell away from it for a while, resumed in my early thirties. And uh, yeah, also not a coincidence, resuming around the same time that I'm doing all of the important inner work where I'm shifting from the, why hasn't it happened for me? And why am I out of print? And this isn't fair, mama, ma, to making a contribution, seeing my work as part of something bigger than myself. And so all, so that wonderful shift happened. And I realized that I had, to, I had to write the book that I would have most needed and wanted to read several years before. And so having done all of that work, it was, it did like the, the, all this movie stuff has not changed my life, except in a financial sense. That is the only sense that it has changed my life because I, no matter what status I'm in with each book, you know, I, I have still a bunch of my, books are still out of print. They haven't come back into print. And I'm still not a New York Times bestselling author. And people are surprised to hear that. They just assume that I'm, you know, that I've been on the New York Times bestseller list. It still hasn't happened. And you know what? It doesn't really matter to me much one way or the other. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to, you know, have that income and to have that, um, to have that reach and to have so many people reading my, reading my work. But it's also really important for me to write the books that I feel most called to tell the stories that I feel most called to tell. And that's not always going to dovetail with what the market is, is looking for. And so I guess that's what you mean when you say that I'm a writer's writer is that I'm, I'm not one of those writers who, and I'm not knocking anyone who writes for the market. I'm absolutely not. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that I am incapable of doing that. 
And yet sometimes they merge and you're going for your soul's purpose and the market wants it too. And that's certainly what's happening now with Bones and All. So first tell us about the book and then you can let us in on the movie and who's in it and all that Hollywood stuff. Yeah, so let's see. I So there were several things that came together to give me the idea to write a teen cannibal road trip novel. Um, and, you know, one of them, one, one, one of the, the inputs, I call them, um, that, you know, the idea gathers itself. And this was one of the, one of the inputs that went into the, into the pot was a, an, an 18th, 18th century Scottish cookbook called Cookery and Pastry, written by Susanna McIver, who was a cooking teacher. Um, she would have um, young wives come to her flat in Old Town Edinburgh and she would teach them how to cook. Um, this was in like the 1770s. And so I was researching a historical fantasy novel, which I still not have, I've still not written, but I will. It's, it's the next, my next adult project after the time travel novel. And I was flipping through her, um, not the, end, the, the table of contents, and there was a subheading that said flesh. And, you know, I was just, Ooh, you know, and at this point I'd been vegan for a year or two and I was just so relieved. I was like, I will never be a flesh eater again. And that, that sense of re like mingled relief and horror, um, that definitely went into the pot. Um, there's a very funny, uh, a, there's a, a comedy um, you know, TV show that was on uh, over a decade now called Flight of the Concords. They had a basically like a cannibal sea shanty, um, or it was narrated, or the song is narrated by the victim, the you know, intended victim, which is very funny. And so that went into the pot and, you know, a whole lot of other influences were mingling there. And uh, then I started hearing my protagonist um, speaking to me in the shower. Um, which I, I mentioned that when I first met Taylor Russell, who is the star of the movie, uh, and her eyes kind of went wide and she was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is pretty intense. Um, and so I alternated, you mentioned The Boy From Tomorrow. So I went back and forth between writing that book, which is the book of my heart, which is basically Tom, Tom's Midnight Garden fan fiction. <laughs> um, it's about a, um, it's about a friendship that forms between two kids, two 12-year-olds who are living in the same house 100 years apart, who meet through a hand-painted spirit board and form, form a friendship across time, across the century that separates them. And so that was my cozy fantasy read, which is, that's what I prefer to write. Uh, I don't consider myself a, a writer of horror. Um, definitely, my work is tinged with the gothic, but, de but not horror. This, this is kind of, a, this is definitely the odd you know, odd book out in my body of work. And so I was going back and forth between, for two years, this is 2011 and 2012, I was going back and forth between writing The Boy From Tomorrow and Bones and All, and got to the point where, I, you know, finished the book of my heart, and then I went back to the book that I felt like I needed to exorcise. And yeah, so let's see. Um, actually had a way easier time selling Bones and All, which was strange to me because, uh, and this is funny, we laugh about this now, but initially when I pitched the idea to my agent, she was horrified. She was like, this is a terrible idea, but she didn't tell me that. 
And I only found out when we were, I was hopping on a call with, with her and Teresa and who uh, you will recall is the acquiring producer. So we were talking about the, you know, film, um, you know, any progress that had been made with the film. And I am too polite when I just can't interrupt people. And so they were mid conversation when I hopped on the call and there wasn't like a chime to let them know that I had joined the call. And so my agent was telling her that, you know, confessing to her that she thought that, that it was a terrible idea. And I think that's hilarious because, you know, my agent trusts me to do my work. You know, she does her job, I do mine. And, uh, and so that was actually a really, really wonderful anecdote that I have now um, that shows that she, you know, trusted me to do what I do best. So, um, yeah, so, so, the, so the Hollywood stuff, you want to hear about the Hollywood stuff? And of course. Yeah. And you know what I love about this is that like we're so far from Hollywood because the film um, was it was filmed exclusively in the Midwest. The production office was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was going on set was just such an incredible experience. There were, you know, 150 people there all doing what they do best. You know, I love, I love being around people who do what they do best. Um, Cause that's what I'm trying to do too. And so I got to meet Taylor and um, a lot of the other, um, you know, main characters in the film who, you know, this is an interesting film because it is a road trip. You're seeing a lot of these amazing, amazing actors. You're only seeing them in one scene. And then um, my protagonist, Marin, and her friend slash love interest, Lee, they, then they're on to the next town and on to the next uh, misadventure, shall we say. And so, but I did get to meet Taylor, had some, had some lovely conversations with her. And everyone was just like, it seemed like they were really enjoying the experience of making this film. And it was, it was nice to be in. So it, it just, I didn't have the Hollywood experience. It was these folks had come together to make this film um, through Luca's vision and the way that he makes films is pretty de- like he doesn't go through the studio system um he has basically a a team of investors who believe in his work so passionately that whatever movie he wants to make they will finance it for him and so he's able to make exactly the movie he wants to make because you hear this is what you hear about hollywood is that these studios you know all the executives are putting their or in as they say and you know like well we want we want this and we want that and then you know before you know it the movie that you're making is not the movie that you wanted to make and um, luke has been able to circumvent that whole process and he made exactly the movie he wanted to make and I know everyone is really, really happy with how it turned out. I'm thrilled with how it turned out. There have been so many changes made. And, you know, folks kind of assume that that's, that, that, that I wouldn't be happy to see the changes. But actually, it's, it's, there's no better compliment than to see this team who are so enthusiastic about your story that they want to continue building it out and adding new dimensions and seeing like, oh, what, you know, what happens if we send our young lovers this way instead of that way? And that's so, so gratifying for me. It was an exhilarating experience really um, to see, you know, not just, you know, lines of dialogue that I had come up with 
Um, although Dave and I would, we would have a moment where he would be like, wait, is that my line or yours? <laughs> and, um, uh, I think I'm, I think I've, I've gone a bit off the rails here, Victoria. Oh, no, it, it's just wonderful to hear because this is a world that many of us will never enter and to hear about it, it's really fascinating. So Taylor Russell is the star. Timothy mm -hmm. Chalamet is her love interest. Mm -hmm. And they're very hot young performers right now. Did you ever imagine your characters in those guises? No, no, definitely not. I mean, I, you know, to, to kind of circle back to the idea of like, you never expect that the film is actually going to get made. I thought that if it did get made, um, that it would be, you know, small budget. Can't this is like I guess it was a relatively small budget. I'm not sure, but um, the uh, what's the word? Um, campy. It was like I, I had it in my head that that was probably how the film would get made. That it would be sort of a um, there was a movie that came out um, in like 2007 or 2008 called Teeth. Um, which is very good for what it is, for what it, you know, what it intended to be. At least I, I remember enjoying it. Um, and it's a, a, a horror film about Vagina Dentata. It was very, um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty campy. And so it didn't, it never in a million years occurred to me that this movie could get the, um, that it could get that treatment of, you know, this is an art, house film every single detail is I mean down to the just just the tiniest micro 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 details that you're never going to notice you know going to the theater to see this film I mean maybe if you see it I mean I've, I've seen it in the in the theater I think four times now um and I was only just noticing these tiny details because Dave pointed them out to me um, in between the third and fourth viewing. Um, but that's the level of care and attention to detail and passion that goes into this level, this echelon of filmmaking. And it just, it, it never in a million years occurred to me that, um, you know, the bones and all would be made at that level. Well, you deserve that because that's the level of author that you are. It's the level of writer that you are. So it should be the level of, of film that this is. So congratulations and you deserve it. Thank you so, so much. Tell us, Camille, about the vegan part. It is very subtle in the book. If I hadn't known you, I'm not mm -hmm. even sure I would have gotten it. But once I knew to look for it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a vegan novel. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my intention was to, of course, to get readers rethinking the whole idea of, of eating flesh. And so, you know, of course, the first thing that someone will say to me when I, because this, this happened, I was at... Um, uh, the Refocus Film Festival in Iowa City last month. And, you know, someone, of course, came up to me because I, I talked about Susanna McIver's cookbook, the moment of seeing the flesh subheading and being horrified. And so he came up to me and he said, well, that's not a cookbook for human flesh. And I said, no, but either way, you're eating a being who did not want to die. And he was, and he was quiet for a second. He was like, oh, I, I never thought of it like that. And who knows? I mean, he may push that aside and never think of it again, but I, I hope, I hope that he will consider it, you know, the next time he's, 
out at a restaurant or at the, at the grocery store. And, you know, once you've trained yourself, as you well know, you know, you can't go back. You can't go back to, to seeing, um, you know, inanimate, you know, pieces of meat. It's, it's not meat, it's flesh to you, you know? And so I wanted to, um, I wanted to inspire that disgust and, you know, get the gears turning, get the connections made. Um, you know, I, I always, the, the, um, it's either a magic eye. I like to, my, you know, my analogies with the magic eye or the, um, the connect the dots images, um, you know, getting, folks to begin to connect those dots and to see the cognitive dissonance and, you know, eventually to begin to deprogram themselves um, because, I, and this, this work is never done, you know, you're always, you know, kind of taking a pause and thinking like when you say something, you're like, why did I say that? Or someone is saying something to you and you think, you know, there's all of this uh, preconceptions um, and attitudes that are encoded in everything we say and think. Um, and so much of it is deeply, deeply hurtful and traumatizing. And, you know, to, to all, you know, kinds of vulnerable folks, human folks and non-human folks. And so that's the journey that I've been on um, for, you know, almost as long as you've known me, I mean, I've been vegetarian for a long time before that, but, you know, it was one of those folks who was vegetarian for 10 years. And then I finally had my, my vegan epiphany, my light bulb moment. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope that readers will now that, that there is more of a, like, I've very, very free. I mean, I think I only got one reader sending me a message after the book originally came out to say, I get it. I'm vegan now. And now this is happening a little more frequently. Um, so I did get an email a couple of days ago from someone who was already vegetarian and is now like, I'm, you know, you've convinced me, which is wonderful. And I hope that, I hope that trend will continue. Oh, well, I'm sure it will. And it might have a great big boost round about November 23rd. What happens then? The movie will be out in the U.S., I believe there are, the, I think the film will begin uh, playing in, you know, as they say, like, you know, select locations um, nationwide, but then it opens wide on Wednesday, November 23rd, which in the U.S. is the day before Thanksgiving, or as we vegans often like to say, thanks living. So was that on purpose? that it would premiere just before this big holiday when most people choose not to be vegan or vegetarian? If I had to guess, I would say no, that it had nothing to do with it. Um, I think it's, it's a big weekend for movie going because, you know, folks are at home with their families and, you know, searching for something fun to do outside the house, um, you know, having spent so much time, you know, eating and <laughs> lounging around. And uh, so it's, a, I think it's a natural time to have a, um, a, a movie that's getting some Oscar buzz, which again, blows my mind, that to have a movie release at that time of year. It's stunning. It's absolutely magnificent. And I'm thinking about getting a group of vegans together, maybe Main Street Vegan Academy graduates here in New oh, York City, or maybe a, a bigger group. And, and we would all go to see that oh, on the that. evening of the 23rd. So if anybody's listening who's in New York City, who knows me, 
be in touch and uh, join the group. And we'll just have a big old caravan to some theater and uh, watch Bones and All. And for the writer of the book, let's just take a minute to thank all writers of all books, because it's not easy to write a book. And when one is out there, it can change the world. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. So, Camille, I am interested in this concept of ego management for creative people, the subtitle of of one of your nonfiction books, in the connection that your baby, your book, Bones and All, was turned over to a screenwriter that until you knew him, you didn't know him. How was that? Yeah, so I know more now than I knew at the time because I I didn't realize that Teresa didn't actually know Dave yet. And so Dave was taken completely by surprise when she approached him because she said, I think that you are the perfect person to write this. And his initial thought was, you know, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book. I see myself in this young girl, this protagonist, but that doesn't mean that I'm the right person to write this screenplay. And which to me, that alone says volumes about how much integrity this man has, right? So in our first call, he said, what do you think? Because he wasn't, he wasn't convinced that he was, he, he didn't think that he, he wasn't sure that he was the right person. Um, even though he really, really resonated with the material. So he said, what do you, what are your thoughts about the prospect of two male filmmakers making this feminist novel? And my first thought was, okay, I could be cynical here and say that this is lip service. I don't know him, but I had an intuition that, and which, you know, turned out to be absolutely correct that, you know, as I say, he's a man of deep integrity and that he was in earnest and he was. And so I said, it's the most important thing to me is that you care enough to ask that question. And we have since, you know, become very good friends. We're just, I mean, I called him my soul brother. He's just, we're just on the same page about everything. I've enjoyed all the quality time I've been able to spend with him um, in Venice. I got to go to Venice to the film festival. We spent some quality time there and you're just talking about books and writing and um, about our, you know, respective trajectories and, uh, you know, and family and, and, you know, all of the, all of the big stuff, all the important stuff. And so that was that was how it started with Dave. And then we had another call and, um, and I had already, I had already said, I, you know, because they, they don't want you to be involved, right. Because it makes their job easier. 
And like, unless you are a bona fide screenwriter, which I am not, I have no interest. I would rather be writing my next novel. And so it's very simple for me, very cut and dry, partly because I have a dear friend who um, really got burned with all this Hollywood nonsense. And he is a screenwriter. And of course, you know, he has persevered and has done well, but um, I did not want to get caught up in all of that. So it was just a very cut and dry decision for me. And so we had a, we had a call and uh, once we had decided that, you know, Dave was the person to take on this project and then eventually became one of the executive producers as well. He um, asked me, you know, thematically, like what, what was the most important thing? And he was expecting me to talk about feminism. And I said, well, you know, and, and you know, veganism and feminism are all tied up together. Um, but when I started talking about animal rights and how, you know, the, the subtext was way too subtle and that was my, that was my regret, you know, looking back on publishing that novel, he was kind of, he was taken aback, but he was, he was game. He was, he was up for the challenge and he, he thought a lot about it. And, you know, you can tell, um, if you, um, get, ever get the chance to read the script, it's a wonderful script. He's just, he's such a thoughtful, careful, wise and empathetic writer. Um, and so I really like out of every, every screenwriter in Hollywood, I could have, you know, possibly, um, you know, handed my, my source material off to, I'm just, I feel so, so, so blessed that it was him. And you deserve nothing less. You're such an amazing person and such a true person that it just makes sense. You should have the fabulous karma of working with amazing people and, and having someone who would understand your, your real mission. So I know that you said in the novel that you're working on now, characters are vegan, mm -hmm. and there does seem to be happening just in the past few years, a kind of genre of vegan novels. So how can we have those and love them and enjoy them without getting too much into the preachy part so that only vegans want to read them? Right, right. Well, I, it's such a good question because I was afraid of that, right? So that's why, um, you know, in The Boy From Tomorrow, um, Alec and his mom, uh, Alec is in the present day, um, you know, living in the house in the present day, um, he and his mom have recently become vegan. And so I mentioned that he gets uh, made fun of by one of his classmates, but I leave, but I leave it at that. And so I think, I think at one point I mentioned that the, um, the tutor, the live-in tutor, Emily, um, who tutors the girls, um, Josie and Cass, uh, that she's reading The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. And so that was as comfortable as I felt um, slipping it in there. And with the time travel novel, um, this is uh, a character who is a, a side character in my debut novel, Mary Modern, which came out in 2007. So that's four years. So I was writing this, you know, five, six, seven years, maybe uh, before I actually went vegan in 2011. And so I'm writing this character who at the time never thought about what, you know, what this man's dietary, you know, uh, habits were. I didn't, I didn't, hadn't, you know, fleshed him out that, um, you know, to that extent yet. But uh, I, I, I went back and thought, 
I knew that he was, he, as a time traveler, I knew he was a time traveling physicist. I knew that he was going to have his own book. And because I knew so little about him, actually, I was able to um, develop his character in a, 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 a direction that I couldn't have anticipated back when I had first conceived of him. And so it's actually come out pretty organically. Like I think it needs to happen organically um, as you are doing the work of character development. And, you know, yeah, I, I have my, uh, I, I told my agent I, I wanted to write a gleeful novel about the end of the world, um, you know, the heat death of the universe. And, you know, long before that, you know, we are probably going to render ourselves extinct uh, with the way things are going. Um, I didn't know if I could write a, an optimistic novel, a comedy about climate change and all of the other problems that we're facing, but I wanted to give it my best try. And so far I'm having a lot of fun with it and I hope that shows up on the page. Uh, I, it's um, the first section of the manuscript is with my agent right now. So hopefully she will, if not agree with me, she will have some ideas as to how I can get it there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that I would say is um, to, to have an organic process about it as opposed to, um, having the moral of the, beginning with the moral of the story. Um, I, you, I, I don't always begin with character. I sometimes begin with premise, but the premise is very, very um, um, surface level. Uh, and then there's the deep work of character development, the, the um, you know, adding layers and layers and layers um, and who we are as vegans and animal rights activists, um, that, that, that shows up at some point, you know, if, if that's the direction that your characters are, you know, heading in. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like that's a satisfying answer. No, I think it's a terrific answer. And I love hearing you and other fiction authors talk about their characters as if they were people you had lunch with last oh, week. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I always see them that way. I, I, I live with them. I think about them. Um, they are, it, it's just, it's a, I, it's part of what, get, part of what gives my life so much flavor and color. Um, I feel like I get to live an infinite number of lives through my characters, um, which is just, you know, I am so excited to wake up every morning so I can see what they're going to do next. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. Well, now let's talk about your one and only life as Camille DeAngelis. <laughs> you are a remarkable woman. That's what this podcast is about. So tell us about your daily life. People always like to know how other people live and particularly writers because writers are a little bit of an odd crew. So how do you navigate the world in the day-to-day? -day? Yeah, well, I, I'm in among the odd crew. I feel like I'm even odder. <laughs> I'm the odd duck in a, in, a, um, in a group of odd ducks, I think, because um, I, I have sort of, um, I've arranged my life in a way that, you know, it's just the way things, the way things turned out. Um, I am uh, kind of the living the, 
the fun, funky, spinsterly aunt lifestyle because uh, I moved down here to Washington, D.C. Uh, summer of 2020 because I realized that I, I just wanted to be close to my sister and her family. Uh, so my niece is now three and a half and she's um, you know, alternately a, a delight and a terror, but, you know, 87% a delight. <laughs> so we'll take it. Um, I love her fiercely. And I spend a lot of time with her, a lot of time with my quality time with my sister and brother-in-law and, and the rest of the family. And so my life is, you know, I, I live in an apartment that's very close to that and not very close but 15 minute walk so it's just far enough away um that I'm doing my over my, my doing my own thing over here in a in a the adjoining neighborhood and um I, I'm living alone for the first time in my life I'd always always had roommates um and so I, I really you know love my apartment love where my li where I live love my neighbors um making you know friends in the veg society down here and um, you know, it's it's a really it's a very it's a life that is very conducive to getting a whole lot of creative work done. And I feel very, 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 very grateful um, that things have you know kind of fallen out this way. At least at least for now, I'm sure that you know uh, th things are never forever. You know, things get you know rearranged uh, like furniture. Um, you know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll meet my vegan boyfriend uh, <laughs> at some point in the near future. Um, but if not, life is still totally sweet. Well, that is a beautiful description. Now, can I ask you to just zero in on it even more and talk to us about what you do when you get up and as you go through your day, where the writing fits into that? And just anything else that is quirky and fabulous so that we can know you. Yeah, well, um, I, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here chatting with you, I'm looking at my grandparents' uh, antique sofa that they bought when they married in 1950, um, which I, I always want to talk about the sofa because it is the uh, physical reminder of... Um, is my ancestry and all of the love in my family and um, having this reminder of their love, even though they're gone. And so uh, I recently got this wonderful old sofa with lions carved on the arms, um, got it reupholstered. And so this is where I, 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 I joke that this is my, this is my office. The sofa is my office. And so I've, I've been doing a lot of writing and revising on that sofa. And Let's see. Um, with always with a cup of coffee with soy creamer, and um, you know, as you said, I, I you know practice yoga every day. Um, I'm using um, the Om Stars platform. Um, I you know switched to um, remote classes. Well, using YouTube mostly after um, you know after COVID, and I haven't actually been inside a studio um, since COVID. But, uh, you know, at some point, someday I will. Um, but yeah, that's, it's um, the, you know, daily yoga practice, which I'm always trying to listen to my body to see what my body needs. And so when I'm in the wind, when I'm in winter mode, I'm always doing yin and then um, make sure I get at least a 12 minute meditation in, um, which is, you know, totally uh, made life so much more you know, smooth and easy and peaceful. 
And, you know, I like who I am the most when I've meditated that day, you know, so it really is that, that simple for whatever other reasons people meditate. Um, it can be that very simple one. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there's always, there's always more I can say, Victoria. <laughs> well, and you're just such a pleasure to listen to. So we know you're a vegan. Do you like to cook? Oh, I love to cook. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just made a video. I haven't put it up yet, but I'm doing this YouTube series called No Bones at All, um, which is conversations with my vegan friends and some cooking and some travel vlogging because I was, you know, I have been on the festival circuit, um, you know, hopped on a few times there. And uh, so I, you know, always looked for the vegan restaurants, wherever, whatever city I happened to be in. So um, the, but the cooking, the first cooking video uh, is me making a, uh, I call it a butternut bisque uh, with cashew cream and sage and cumin and um, some um, uh, vegan or lentil vegan sausage rolls um, using the original recipe from uh, Vegan Richa's blog calls for uh, puff pastry, but this time I just used a regular pastry, which has um, earth balance butter and uh, vegan egg in it. Uh, and I always add, um, you know, garlic powder and dried thyme and oregano, uh, maybe some onion powder um, to make it a nice savory crust. Um, and that lentil, you know, uh, walnut filling is just so, it's got a truckload of amazing spices, like in perfect harmony. And um, it's, it's just one of my favorite fall dishes. So there will be a, a video coming um, in which I prepare those two meals. And uh, yeah, I just, I love to cook. And tell me about this then, your, your video making. I was scrolling through the big channels and Dr. Phil was on and I just caught enough for him to say, during the pandemic, we were making national TV shows with a phone propped up against a cookie jar. Yes. And I'm thinking the rest of us do that just as a matter of course. So tell us about making videos, especially cooking videos. Do you have some brilliant friend who holds the camera or how do you do that? No, I'm doing it all on my own, um, which it does take, I think it takes more time that way. Um, but, I, you know, I have a tripod, um, I have a lav mic and, um, you know, I make it work. Um, it's time consuming. And so uh, I do try to fit it in, um, in between uh, steps of the novel writing process. So right now I, I told myself that I had to finish this, this revision before I sent it or before I could go back to, to making this vegan cooking series that I had thought about. I got the idea, you know, over a year ago, my friend Heather gave me the idea. She was like, oh, you should call it No Bones at All. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. So it's been, a, it's been in my head for a long time. I've been taking notes for it. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't try to, you know, get too precious with it and try to make it look super professional because I'm not a professional, you know, and I, I hope that, you know, folks, I think they do appreciate that it's just one person in their living room or in their kitchen. Um, you know, and my kitchen is not, it's, it's just this, you know, dark, small galley kitchen. Um, and I just make the best of what I have. And, um, you know, I think that's plenty good enough for my purposes. I love it. I can hardly wait to start watching. So you're no bones at all on YouTube. And where else will we find you online? I am actually, okay, so it's cometparty.com. 
and I, I'm trying not to spend too much time on social media, but I am on, I am at Comet Party on Instagram and Twitter. So I do, I have been occasionally getting on, um, but yeah, the best, the best place to find me is on my website, cometparty.com. Wonderful. I wish you all the success with this movie and the new novel and the old novels and everything <laughs> going forward. I know that you're just bringing so much light into this world and it is an absolute joy and privilege to know you. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Hey listeners, I hope that you thought that was fabulous. I certainly did. It seems sometimes that these people with such great vision are voices crying in the wilderness, but the wilderness is getting closer to town. Don't you think that? Don't you see people waking up in the midst of everything that doesn't look so hot? There is so much awakening going on. So I just wanted to make a couple of announcements. We talked last week about the Ahimsa Ayurveda retreat that's going to be happening via Zoom this weekend. So that would be Saturday and Sunday, the 19th and 20th of November. The idea being a way to just self carry yourself to pieces using principles from the ancient Indian healing tradition of Ayurveda and doing this in a fully vegan way and focusing on that whole concept of ahimsa, which is at the heart of being vegan for people who do that for ethical reasons, but it's also at the heart of yoga. It's yoga's first moral principle and uh, Ayurveda and yoga grew up together. So a couple of afternoons this weekend, uh, two to 6.30 Eastern time, and you can get more information and uh, sign up if you wish at tinyurl.com slash Ahimsa Ayurveda. A-H-I-M-S-A-I-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. And I'll put all that, of course, in the show notes, which you can find at victoriamoran.com. Now, we're having no episode next week because it is Thanksgiving and just wishing you the most wonderful, wonderful time so I hope that you're finding all sorts of things to feel a really deep gratitude about. And if there's any stress and tension around Thanksgiving, if you're going to be sitting around a table with people you're not altogether comfortable with at all times, or if they're going to be eating something or someone that uh, you and I both wish they weren't, I just wish you peace with that that you can see from heart to heart and love to love and know that even with the stuff we don't understand, there's something pretty powerful going on here. And oh my goodness, we all get to be a part of it. Thanks so much for listening today. Now go out and be magnificent. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. 
Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at MainStreetVegan.com. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.